Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 119 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is May 26th. 2010. We've got a great show for you this week on the podcast. We've got some team stuff. We've got some recruiting stuff. We'll talk to Gerard Martinez a little bit later on in the show. And of course, we've got Harvey Hyde coming up in the first segment. We'll talk to him in just a second. But I just want to let you know if you have any questions or comments for us, always you can drop us an email podcast at uscfootball.com, especially during the offseason. Lots of different topics. If you want to discuss, just drop us an email. Let us know. We'll love to talk about them. And like I said, we have Coach Harvey Hyde on the line. Coach, how are you doing today? Brian, I'm doing great. And uh, I just want to say before we get started, I want you to have a great Memorial Day weekend, a safe Memorial Day weekend. And that's not only DDU, but everybody out there. Definitely. Everyone have a good Memorial Day. Coach, I'm going to be in Cabo San Lucas, actually. Uh, my fiance and I are going down there. We're going to get married down there early next year. So we got to go scout some places out. So it should be a fun Memorial Day. You want me to go with you? Uh, come on down, Coach. It'll be fun. We're like an I, all- could always, I could always go as a chaperone. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd have a good time, you know, drinks by the pool, jump in the ocean a little bit, get your feet wet. It'll be fun. Well, I tell you, I, want you, I hope you have a great time. I'm going to my standard old vacation spot about 26 miles out from Long Beach, and you know where that is, yes. Avalon, Catalina. All right. Well, yeah, I heard there's a new zip line out there. Maybe you should jump on it. They got that. a zip line. Go, I, I go upside down on it. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people have done that before. So when I get to the stand, I hit my head on the stand. Very nice. Instead of stopping, I just my head hits the stand instead of my feet. Yeah, cool stuff, coach. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You. I've seen it though. I will tell you, and that's not for me. That's not for me. I got enough thrills in my life. But All right. I tell you, for you that love that, it's a beautiful zip line. I see. I mean, you go down through canyons and you look at the ocean. It's fabulous. All right. Well, I want to check it out sometime. But I wanted to thank our sponsor for the segment, Southern California Tickets. They really make it possible to keep doing the podcast every week. SCTickets.com is the URL, or give them a call, 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for anything. A lot of baseball going on. I know the Dodgers have, uh, the Yankees will be coming into town sometime next month, uh, late June, I believe. That'll be a good one. Of course, the Lakers are still going on. So need tickets for anything, check them out on sctickets.com. Coach, you don't need any tickets in, in Avalon, but you know maybe in the future you could use some. You're right, and it's a great place to go and uh, make your plans, and you don't have to stand in line, and you don't have to worry about it. You can look at where you're going to sit, and they always do a great job for all my friends and everybody that I recommend to go there. All right. Well, uh, we had some questions I wanted to get to, but first we had a comment. Um, there was a – we got an email from one of the parents of a player. Uh, uh, he's a good friend of the show, and he's a really nice guy. Uh, John Martinez's dad, Steve, we were talking about um, – uh, John Martinez moving to guard, and uh, he Steve sent in that uh, James Craig likes an attack guard, and he was told that uh, John has that classic look of pulling guard, cleaning guys out in the hole, and that was John. So it looks like that was the reason they wanted him to learn guard first, and then you know that they can if he wants to do center, he can kind of do that down the road. But that was just a comment that Steve sent in, so kind of answered our question for us. 
Well, you know, I, I really appreciate that when a parent or a fan knows something that we can share with everybody. But I certainly don't know why. I just make general statements. I'm not in the staff meetings and so on. And so I'll watch that. I'll just watch and see exactly how much what they do at the strong guard. Maybe they're planning on doing some trapping and so on in the offense, and they need somebody who can move quickly and knows how to trap well and do different things and pull well. There's nothing like having guards out in front of your uh, great running backs knocking people down and whatever is necessary for guards to do. So if John Martinez can play that strong guard, then thank goodness. And if we're better at that position, that's better than never. That's best. That's the best. So all I care, and I think that everyone cares the same thing, that the best five players are on the field representing the offensive line in the position where they can execute the techniques. And he also said that uh, a lot, they felt that a lot of times centers can play better when they're able to play other positions as well. Do you agree with that? Well, uh, I don't know. That's just a general statement. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. I mean, some athletes can play a lot of different positions. Some athletes really just are capable of uh, being a, a center because they're not really a, a good uh, blocker as far as when they have a strong nose guard on them. So, you know, it just depends, again, on, on the individual athlete and, uh, what suits him. Some can play every, every position. Uh, you never see that, but the guard center switch back and forth is something that's possible because you know the calls. You can see the same things that the center sees as far as making his calls. When you do inside drills and so on, you always work together with your guards and centers, so you have a real, um, say, execution of rhythm together. So, yeah, a guard could be a center and a center could be a guard. I've seen it happen a lot of times. We've done it a lot of times. I did that at UNLV a lot of times. When a center would get hurt, we'd move a guard there, or vice versa. If we move up our center because we had our five best players on the field. You want your five best players on the field. All right, Coach. Well, thanks, for uh, Steve Martinez, for sending that in. we got another question, more of a comment, but maybe we can talk about this. It would be a neat little topic to discuss from David. Uh, he was sharing some details that a friend of his sent him about Lane Kiffin's contract at Tennessee, what he was getting paid per month and stuff like that. I don't want to go into the details, but um, he was saying if the document's accurate that he saw, he wouldn't be surprised if Lane Kiffin was making $4 million a year at USC. Now, I, I really don't, I'm not sure what your thoughts are. I don't believe that he is. I might, you know, a good friend of the show, Bruce Feldman from ESPN, is pretty well connected with some of the guys on Kiffin's staff. And According to his reports, and I, I don't even think this came from a coach. I think this came from somewhere in USC that, you know, Bruce said that, that uh, Lane Kiffin was making closer to $2 million than he was to $4. Um, and I, I do believe that. I mean, I, obviously, we don't know. It's, a, it's private, and it was, it was a weird thing, kind of a throwaway thing that they put on that real sports, but it became a big story. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that whole situation, Coach? Well, I don't, I don't know what they're paying Lane, and uh, really uh, I think that it uh, doesn't make any difference uh, what he's making. It's, it's what he does because it doesn't make any difference. You can make a lot of money, and if you win, it's perfect. If you don't win, you're going to get fired anyway. So I think that uh, I think he's making more than $2 million because I think he was making close to $2 million or more at Tennessee. And I think he wanted a job at USC, but a lateral move, I think you have to do a little bit. What I mean by a lateral move, moving from one university to the other, I think you always get incentives and you make a little bit more money when you do that. I would think he's making more than $2 million. I really don't know what he's making. Uh, I don't think Monty's making $2 million. If I was to guess, okay, if I was to guess, I would say he's making over three, and I would say Monty's making a million, million two. I'd say Orgeron's making about eight. I'd say, and the rest of them are all around 400. Uh, 
one or three fifty four hundred. If I was to guess, okay. But you know, again, uh, uh, who knows or who really cares? I mean, when people make all these different topics on salaries and so on, what difference does it make? It doesn't make any difference really on winning and losing. And you get distracted and you talk about things that don't make any difference in your program. It just makes good conversation of, among envious people who uh, wish they were making that much. I just wish that I'd made that much when I was coaching. You know, <laughs> but uh, you weren't a four uh, million. These guys, these guys make more in one year than I made in a lifetime, okay? Wow. You, so, you weren't $4 million you know, a year, Coach? Is. Huh? You didn't make $4 million a year? No. You know, they tried to <laughs> give that to me, but I felt it was unfair. <laughs> so so I really didn't want the tax problems and so on. So I just sort of went with, <laughs> with the lesser figure. Well, all right. Well, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, it doesn't matter what he makes. I don't think he's making what the elite coaches were making. He does have the expectations of what some of those elite coaches are making. I mean, I really, especially with the way he's recruiting right now, he's kind of just walking right in Pete Carroll's footsteps. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has a great season. He goes to a BCS bowl game in his first two years if they bump him up, you know, and and they they feel that he can continue that tradition of Pete Carroll. I just, right now, it's more of a kind of wait and see and can he prove himself to do that. It looks like the pieces are in place to follow in Carroll's footsteps. We just have to see if he does it. Let me just put it to you this way. Even if it's only $1 million, okay, that's a lot of money. A million and a half is a lot of money. $2 million if he's only, listen to us, only making $2 million. What are you talking about? How many people do you know that makes a million a year or, or that kind of money? So I don't feel sorry for him. He'll get by, and there's a lot of fringes that go along with the contract. So whether he's making $2 million or $4 million, doesn't make any difference because uh, that's a lot of money, okay? So uh, the difference between two and four, yeah, it's a lot. But, you know, remember, half of it goes to taxes. Right. <laughs> that's always a good point, Coach. Uh, next one, we got kind of a long email from David. I'll break it up into little sections for you, Coach. Uh, first, he just wanted to really compliment us on the podcast. He's been really happy. He's glad the podcast has been growing. It's a testament to hard work that we do, and we do appreciate that, David. We're uh, glad to bring it to you each and every week we like we have a lot of fun doing it um he, he's talking about how tennessee fans really hate usc and actually after last night i think it's the hatred's growing even more usc men's tennis team beat tennessee in the finals for the national championship and uh so i think that that wasn't something that is going to help the relationship there but he was talking about his sister-in-law who's originally from southern california but went out to tennessee to become a veterinarian and now she's, he says that she's brainwashed like everyone else, and they hate Lane Kiffin, and they hope that USC loses 28 games next year. He's like, yes, that's right, 28. Um, so he's just hoping that this can kind of calm down over you know the next couple of generations because the hatred coming from the Tennessee fans, from what he's seeing, and this is someone that's originally from Southern California, just seems to be growing. Well, let me tell you, one way they could get even is players. Okay, or play USC. You know, I, I'm sure Mike Garrett would be happy to give them a home-and-home contract. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk big, but when you send them a contract, they don't, uh, they some, it somehow gets lost in the mail. Or somehow they don't return phone calls. I know that USC has tried to schedule Florida, Miami. Uh, I'm not sure about Tennessee, so I don't want to say that. And people just aren't interested in playing them. They say the Southeastern Conference schedule is tough enough in conference. That's why they don't want to go outside and get beat. So, uh, 
you know, the best way all these uh, Tennessee people, and I respect your programs, you have great programs, you've always had great programs. I remember when Johnny Majors was there, I had an opportunity to coach you once with him or against him. Like, tradition down there is unbelievable. So the best way to prove how mad you are is schedule USC. And uh, and then uh, it will be a great rivalry. That's what makes for great rivalries. You know, well, first of all, they got to learn to beat UCLA, okay? Right. <laughs> That, but that would be, I mean, man, could you imagine that that would be national TV the day it was signed? There's no question about that. But all right, well, here's a couple of questions, Coach. First up, he wanted to know about what's up with Frankie Telford. Uh, is he still enrolled in attending USC, and is he still around the program? And I'll let you know what I know first, Coach. I mean, I was down, I was down on campus the other day, and players had just started summer school. A couple of guys just throwing the football around, and Frankie Telford was out there. He's been down there. Some of the off-season workouts before, um, you know, he's been kind of helping out as like a student assistant coach and stuff. He was there at spring spring football. I know he would like to play. It just doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it's going to be possible for him to be ever medically cleared because you don't want to risk someone's life uh, to play football. But he, you know, he is still around the program. But it, but it's a sad situation, coach. You you'd like to see him out there playing because you know he really wants to. If they would clear him, he would play right now. There's no question about it. He has the uh, desire to play and so on, but, you know, because of medical reasons, doctors feel that it's the best interest he doesn't play. And they, and they have maintained his scholarship. He has a full scholarship. He's going to have a tremendous education at USC. It's a very difficult thing for a young man to go through. Uh, he's very fortunate that they were able to discover this he, because, uh, you know, you, you get disappointed that you can't play but it, it, for your best interest, your family interest, for everyone that loves you and so on, uh, USC was uh, and had the staff of doctors giving the correct physicals and so on to diagnose this. That may save his life. So I think it's great. They'll treat it and so on, and he'll have a great education. It's unfortunate he can't play. We'd all love to see him play. He's a great player, but uh, these things happen, and and uh, when they do happen, I think USC is handling it in the best way, along with the kid. It's very difficult for the kid, but it's something that has to be. Yeah, and you know, luckily for him, he's not a kid that was going to rely. I mean, he's a great football player, but he wasn't going to rely on his athletic talent to have a successful life. You know, he's really he's a smart kid. He's a sharp kid, and I think it'll be he'll be fine. Um, you know, well, wasn't you know, he pre med? Wasn't he pre med? Yeah, he was pre med, and uh, yeah, I mean, just had a good GPA. Um, you know, he could definitely get into coaching and stuff someday. So he'll be, he'll be all right. Um, interesting question about recruiting, uh, in years past, it didn't seem like Pete Carroll really had a ton of, oh, sorry, my, uh, <laughs> you know, you have CC come in and, uh, and bother the show. I have my screen up here to look, to look at the question and our cat Neo just like walked around. <laughs> well, good, so, good. Well, Cece, I don't know where Cece is today. Cece's yeah. uh, she's resting up for Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> Sorry, that just threw me off. Like he walked right. That's all right. Walked Go right ahead. for the screen. I was trying to read the question. <laughs> she walked right across the keys. Yeah, so it was pretty funny. Yeah, all right. Well, that's good. What's your cat's name? Uh, Neo. It's a it's a boy. Neo. Neo. All right, Neo, baby. Neo, like uh, Neo, have like you in the huddle with us. Yeah, I know. Neo's in the huddle. He's going to jump up here on my back of my chair right now. He likes to uh, get involved in the podcast, uh, just quietly, unlike CC. Um, but okay, so in years past, it didn't seem like Pete Carroll 
liked having a ton of really early committed recruits for one reason or another. Do you think this will be different with the new staff? And like you said, we've already seen six early commitments and it looks like there could be some more coming soon. And do you think it will ever get to the point where it's like Texas, where they have like 20 recruits committed before the summer even ends? Well, I'll tell you what, if you're right on your recruiting and you're evaluating right and and everything's correct, heck, I'd love to have 20 commits before we got started. You know, I think Pete Carroll wanted to watch these kids play in their senior year and uh, give that uh, a lot of thought. And I think he also felt that being USC, even if a kid committed, he could go in and decommit that kid. I really felt he had that confidence in the program and himself that if a kid uh, had, he went early to someone that if he decided that USC wanted him, that they could go in in a lot of cases and turn that kid around, which they did. In a lot of cases, they couldn't turn that kid around. But I think that uh, Ed Orgeron and this staff and Lane Kiffin, if they're evaluating the players, they, they made a statement, and we've got to remember what their statement was. They want to come back into L.A. and own it. They want to own Southern California. There's a lot of great players in Southern California. They do not want to lose the great players in Southern California. And so far, they got the number one player in Southern California, and Anthony Thomas, as far as what everybody's ranking him as. And there are other top ones they're getting. And they're also, they have also made a lot of offers to out-of-state great players, knowing that they're not going to get all those players. Pete Carroll's philosophy was if I recruit out of state, I anticipate a player from out of state that I get should be good enough to be a number one draft choice in the NFL draft when he's a senior. Okay, now they're out there, and their percentage of getting all those players, as far as in Texas and Ohio, Iowa, and so on, are lower percentage than the ones in Southern California or California because it's the travel that they have to have, and they have their local university and the pressure of staying in state in Florida and Alabama and Texas and so on, it's very difficult to convince a kid to live, leave his state and, and come back. So uh, I think that the earlier you can get commits that are great players and you've evaluated correctly and they're not going to get hurt their senior year, which could happen, then I think it's great. I really think it's great. And I think the ones that they're going after now, they've seen so much of them and Nike camps and all these camps these kids are in in the summer and so on that, you know, you can tell if a kid's a player and you look at his films. I recruited Icky Woods off of his junior film, not his senior film, but he was hurt as a senior. So you know who's a player and who's not a player, and you can forecast just what type of uh, ability this kid is going to have. And if this kid has team speed and if he's a fast kid, and, you know, Thomas is one to won the 100-yard dash and 200-yard dash in the city since he was a sophomore. And Woods, Woods wins the state, I think, last weekend in the 200-meter and the 400-meter. And he is a senior, but he ran like that when he was a junior. So, you know, it's not hard to evaluate great players out there. So, yes, I, I would go along. If I could get a commit of a player of that ability, I would take him right now. All right, Coach. And then one last point before we let you go. Uh, the summer workouts, the unofficial workouts will be starting soon. Like I said, summer classes just started. Players usually take some time off, and then you know, maybe the next week or two they'll start throwing the football around. We're usually always down there taking video and, and pictures of the guys throwing the football around and kind of getting keeping their skills sharp over the summer. 
and then when the coaches obviously can join them for fall camp. So they're trying to just keep everything going. The uh, incoming freshmen get to join them later on in June, so that's that's a chance for them to kind of get worked out and meet their teammates and practice on the field in an unofficial sense, you know. Um, but his David's question was, who do you think the the biggest vocal leader during the summer workouts going to be? And do you think not naming officially naming Matt Barkley, the starter would hurt his chances of being that guy, that vocal leader. Well, that, that's a difficult situ- That's a difficult question for me to say who the vocal leader will be. Uh, you know, you can lead without being vocal. You can lead by just determination and looking at someone. You can be a leader. Uh, it's the, you know, kind, don't mistake kindness for weakness type of attitude, you know, uh, a leader is someone who people respect. And when someone says something, they follow his lead. Uh, as far as vocally out there, I, I don't know who's a screamer. I, I don't think there's any screamers out there that I've noticed as far as let's do this or let's do that. Or I've never seen someone really do that type of scream. I've seen a lot of team screaming when exciting plays happen and so on. But uh, And maybe they discourage that. I don't know. Maybe it's more of a uh, different uh, leadership uh, quality out there. You know, there are some guys that lead by example as far as just knocking you out. You know, just, uh, I mean, I'm not talking about slugging you. I'm talking about <laughs> the way they play. Yeah. That, that, that certainly delivers a lot of leadership when you say, hey, man, that guy's here. There's no messing around. Or by the way you practice, you go full speed every time on every play. And, uh, you know, he brings his briefcase. You know, he brings his briefcase. It's a business meeting. And uh, he wants to close the deal. So as far as the vocal leader, I don't know who's vocal out there. But yeah. I tell you, there's a lot of ways to lead other than just screaming at people. And I used to tell my coaches that. If you holler all the time, they quit listening. You've got it. When they, when they hear your voice change, then they got to listen up was they know that someone's upset. But if you're screaming all the time, if you're screaming all the time, all of a sudden it's like they don't hear you anymore. So you've got to be able to get their attention that when you do raise your voice, then it means something. So, you know, that's just something I used to to follow myself. And I used to explain to my coaches who sometimes screamed all the time. And after a while, uh, kids quit listening. All right, that makes sense, Coach. And just just for David's sake, um, Matt Barkley was the—I don't know if you want to say vocal leader, but he was the guy running the show when they did their off-season workouts in the winter. Now you could—you know—he was the starter all last year, so he was kind of leading those workouts. Spring happened; he wasn't officially named the starter, but I think you would assume he is until someone beats him out. I would assume he's going to be the guy that's kind of leading these off-season workouts throughout the summer. You know, as long as he's healthy and able to be out there. But even when he had his wrist surgery in the winter, he was still the guy kind of out there running things. Like like Coach said, I don't know if he's the biggest screamer out there. He's not the most vocal. But from what he, we saw over the winter, he was leading this team during the offseason. I fully expect him to do the same thing throughout the summer. I agree with you. Uh, he should be. If he's going to be the number one guy and whoever is the number one guy at quarterback, and uh, he's got to be a leader one way or another, vocal or just through – uh, the team's belief in him or the way he runs the huddle and takes command, or if it's Mitch uh, Mustaine, the same way. I'll tell you one thing. I think we have a nice battle at quarterback. I think Barkley certainly uh, got a lot of experience last year, but I think in the 
in the spring game, I think Mitch Mustaine was put in a position where he could be successful. And I was really impressed the way he went in and threw those, what, five touchdown passes? Yeah, crazy. He was, he, it really was, because I think it was the first time he had an opportunity to be the quarterback that everybody expected him to be. And I'm so proud of him because he never gave up, he never quit. And when that opportunity came, he was given that opportunity. So, you know, uh, I feel like possibly USC might have the one, two, best two quarterbacks uh, in the Pac-10 when you look at them as a group, both of them together. So uh, I think that's very positive. I do as well. And, like, I think that the coaches would feel confident if something happened to Matt Barkley that they could win every game on their schedule which with Mitch Mustaine, a quarterback. I don't know if a lot of programs could say that. I agree with you, and uh, I think that there'll be a different attitude with him. And I think uh, he feels good about himself because, you know, he has a sense of pride in himself now. When he walks around campus, you know, people look to, hey, you had a great spring game. Hey, you, you're a good football player. And I think that he'll have an opportunity to play on Sunday, too, because of that spring film. Believe me, he was on that day. He threw well that day. He was relaxed that day, and he executed what he was supposed to do that day. All right. Well, Coach, don't want to keep you from your long weekend. We'll let you go and uh, catch your, your private helicopter to Santa Catalina Island. And uh, thanks again for joining us, and we'll talk to you again down the road. Ryan, thank you again. And for all of you that send in questions, we really appreciate it. And remember, what we do is just give you our opinion. Uh, keep them coming in as we do our countdown for this coming football season. Remember, Thursday, September the 2nd, at the University of Hawaii, it all gets started, the new era. It's going to be a lot of fun, Coach. But again, thank you very much. Everyone else, we're back in 30 seconds. We're going to talk recruiting with Gerard Martinez. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. As promised, we have USCfootball.com's recruiting analyst, the best in the business, Gerard Martinez. Gerard, what's going on, sir? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing uh, well. Back for another episode of the podcast. It just uh, We just keep rolling along every week. We are rolling along podcast each and every week. We've been going over two years now. We love to talk recruiting. Right now, May evaluation period. There's a lot going on in the recruiting world, and uh, we want to talk about that. We've talked about a couple of different Nike camps, the LA Nike camp, the Stanford Nike camp, both of us were attending. And before we got on the phone, we talked a little bit, before we got on the air, we talked a little bit about uh, Stefan Nembot, who was an athlete. Um, that USC kind of got some interest in because of his showing at the Los Angeles Nike camp. And maybe you want to share a few thoughts of uh, Mr. Nembot here on the podcast. Well, he's definitely uh, one of the more unique recruits um, that you come across. Uh, first of all, I mean, when we came and saw him at the, uh, at the Los Angeles Nike camp, 
you just watch him um, from afar. He's one of those kids that off the hoof you just look at and go, wow, 6'7", 250 pounds. He's built really well. There was a lot of really good-looking defensive linemen at the Los Angeles Nike camp this year, and he was, like, the best-looking of them. So, I mean, first and foremost, it's one of those kids that you don't know much about, and so you immediately go, okay, I know Greg Townsend is here. I know Todd Barr is here. I know Antoine Woods is here. I know Jason Gibson's here. Who's this dude that looks better than all of them just standing yeah. around? <laughs> and so, you know, we, so we, you know, we figured out a little more about him and, and actually kind of heard the name a, a little bit but never seen him in person. And uh, he was extremely raw. You know, extremely raw, and there was a you know a, a a rep there where we was going through cone drills, and um, you know you were you were videotaping, and we're standing there, and uh, he comes through the cone drills, and he makes a hard cut, and um, you know there's a coach standing there, kind of right there in the drill, and he's kind of encouraging the guys to run through the drill. And Stefan, you know, kind of looks like he sees them. They look like they made eye contact. The coach is looking at him, and he's standing there clapping, and Stefan is running through, and he's got his head up, and he's looking right at the coach. And I think at some point the coach figured, okay, he's made eye contact with me. He's going to kind of run to the side a little bit. And for whatever reason, he just didn't. He just barreled over this coach, and this coach went head over heels uh, under the grass, and I don't know what happened. I don't know why he didn't see him, but it kind of clues you into his awareness with these drills and cones and just in general playing football. So, um, you know, SC was up to see him last week uh, at Ergeron and, and kind of, you know, get a closer look at him because the coaches are not allowed to actually be at the Nike camp in person. So um, they went up to go see him, and uh, he was uh, he was pretty pumped up about that. I You know, I, I talked to him. I said, you know, uh, what kind of contact have you had with USC? And, he says, uh, oh, USC, yes, uh, the coach, he called me, and um, he says he loved me, and, you know, he liked my film, and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, really crazy because I've only played football for one year, and I'm like, wow, you know, he's only been in this country since 2008, and he didn't really start, you know, schooling in the United States uh, until probably December of that year, so really, I mean, 2009, so he's fresh out of Cameroon, and, um, you know, really, uh, really smart kid, though, 4.0 GPA goes to Montclair Pro which is a good private school up there uh, in Van Nuys. And, um, you know, he comes to the United States. And although he, he talks about English, he says, you know, I speak a little English, you know, kind of like I am now. And, he's, you know, he's speaking enough, certainly, that I can understand him. Uh, he tried to articulate, you know, the contact with USC. And I said, so Ed Erdron is the coach that, that came to the high school, and he's the coach that talked to you. Did, did you. did you talk to him on the phone? And he says, no. He says, who's Ed Erdron? Who is this Ed Erdron? I said, well, he's a D-line coach at USC. I mean, I figure he's a D-line coach, so, you know, he's probably the guy making contact with him. And and he goes, no. He said, the one who came and watched me, he says, it's Coach O. He said, his name is Coach O. And I said, oh, well, that's Coach Ergeron. And he goes, yeah, he's from the blind side. He's from the movie The Blind Side. And, and I said, yeah, I said, that's, that's right. He was in the movie. And, we, and then, you know, so we got to talk a little bit about USC, and he was really, you know, excited about, you know, just having any kind of contact from uh, the coaching staff. And, um, and you know, I, I told him, I said, you know, we, we saw you down at the camp, and, you know, it's, it definitely sounds, you know, you're just kind of learning, and, you know, it seems like you're pretty raw, but, you know, you got a lot of potential, and there's a lot of schools, you know, taking chances on his potential. I mean, he's got a few offers, UCLA, Stanford, um, Arizona State and Nebraska's talking like they're going to offer here soon. So we kind of chatted with him a little bit, and uh, and he was you know he was like wow you you, you and, and he was like well he was you know how, how do you how do you know how do you know about me you know he's just can't wrap his head around me calling him and even knowing anything about him. I said well we we saw you at the Nike camp because you were at the Nike camp. 
I was at the Nike camp. I got some pictures of you, in fact. You took pictures of me at the Nike camp? <laughs> what are these pictures? <laughs> I don't even know where these pictures are. I said, why would you take pictures of me at the camp? I said, because, you know, you're one of the guys that, you know, you stand out in the crowd, uh, uh, Stefan. And, and he says, oh, I said, yeah, I, you know, I started playing football. You know, I, I was playing basketball for a long time. Um, oh, actually, I shouldn't say he was playing basketball for a long time. Actually, the truth is, he didn't start playing basketball until he came to the United States, and he was actually a really good basketball player. He's been playing soccer his whole life. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the title, the story that uh, wrote about him. It was uh, from football to football and uh, kind of changing goals a little bit. And um, and so he's you know played soccer his whole life and really just came to the United States and played basketball for a while because he is about 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he's a big, tall kid. And uh, and then this was his first year playing football. So it's all new to him. And just the recruiting process, it's just you can tell he's like – completely overwhelmed and just excited and can't believe, you know, is, you know, how do you know Ed Ergeron? Who, where do you know him from? Do you, do you, do you talk to him? And, and like, well, I cover USC. So I, I know about the recruits that, you know, are, are, are being recruited by USC. And yes, I, I mean, I know the coaches and, and he's just, you know, he couldn't get his head around the whole thing. And it's kind That's of fun funny. because, you know, we do so many kids there so kind of jaded by the process at this point in the year already <laughs> when you get a guy that you know is just coming off and and doesn't you know he's just completely new to the whole situation there's that uh that that naive uh kind of uh, sense about it but it's it's genuine and it's you know his enthusiasm is genuine so it's kind of fun to listen to so he's a he's a fun kid he's a, he's a smart guy and um you know he's he's pretty pumped up just about the process and we'll see what happens i mean usc's you know, talking maybe uh, they they'll, they'll look at him a little further for an offer, maybe at the camp or or what have you. So that's kind of all being played out. But he's very very raw, so they you know they definitely gonna have to watch him a little more. And I think everybody's gonna have to watch him a little more to see if he you know really has potential uh, playing football. It certainly looks the part. Certainly does, and I I just remember watching the drills I filmed. If you want to check it out on uscfootball.com. If you go to the video page and you can check out um, some of the, the Nike camp stuff from L.A., he's in the defensive line highlights, and it's it's definitely worth a watch. And uh, I'm sure the USC coaches liked what they saw if they checked out the video on the uscfootball.com website, if you could check that out. It's it's pretty impressive the way this kid was just kind of moving around, and his, his athleticism was crazy. You know, and he would he would do these standing jumps, it seemed like his knees would come up to his chin. You know, it was kind of crazy just to see him jumping like that. And he definitely looked like he's played some kind of soccer or something his whole life. And uh, you, you know, he could be a great football player. Uh, he's raw, like you said, uh, but he just needs a little bit of time. And uh, the, the one play is priceless. You can see on the video when he runs over that coach. And the coach even said afterwards it was his fault because he didn't get out of the way. But it was pretty, it was running through these rings and he. He tears off, and he just, he's, so, you know, he's just so athletic and so fast, and he was just almost couldn't catch up to himself, and he ran this coach over. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, it was, uh, it was just one of those things. I just think the coach saw him and, and just thought, you know, okay, we've made eye contact. I see you. You see me. You're the one running. I'm the one standing still. So <laughs> you and the coach was like 65 course. years old. He was, like, he was an old guy. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's cool. Well, we wish Stefan them about the best and uh, check out uscfootball.com. We'll have plenty more on his recruitment. He could definitely be a guy to watch for. I think he's going to get a bunch of offers in the future. Um, we got some questions, Gerard. Are you ready for those? Yes, by the way. All right, so Clay wanted to know. First of all, he says, thank you for making Wednesday something to look forward to. You're very welcome, Clay. I'm glad you 
like to listen to the podcast, and thank you for sending in a question. He had two questions. One, when will the first star rankings be released by Rivals.com? And of the five commits, which is now six for USC, do you foresee any or all of them being five-star guys? What do you think, Gerard? <laughs> well, I don't think all of them are going to be five-star guys. Um, USC I mean, fans are spoiled, you know. Star rankings for USC, or I should say for Rivals, you're not going to have a lot of five-star guys. I mean, the initial star rankings, you're going to see, you know, 11, 12 guys. And, uh, and that's, so it's going to be minimum. And I think with that, I think you'll see uh, DeAnthony Thomas has a shot to be a five-star recruit. Um, so I think he'd be the guy right now that you circle as being one of the top players in the country. Um, so, yeah, certainly not all five-star guys. Um, you know, I mean, they, they, they all may have a chance of being top 100 guys, definitely. I mean, you've got a few Army All-Americans in there. Um, but uh, all being five-star guys, probably not. Um, when those rankings come out, I, I believe June, um, I think early June, we'll, we'll see the first rankings start to come out. Yeah, in early June, and they actually said it looks like there'll be five, I mean, uh, five offensive five-star guys, five defensive five-star guys, and one athlete five-star. Now, that usually is more. So when it comes out, when the final rankings come out, there's usually about 25 kids or so that are five-star guys. They're going to start with 11, and I don't, I don't mind them doing that, and then they'll kind of work from there. They'll add some more guys. If they have to take some guys out of five-star and make them four-star, They've done that in the past. They can do that too. But um, for for sure, DeAnthony Thomas, I mean, he could be a top three guy in the country. It, you know, it depends where he comes out, but he'll, you know, top five, certainly top 10. So he's a guy that will probably be on that initial five-star list. And then other targets that I think have a shot, and Gerard, correct me if I'm wrong, I think, you know, George Farmer from Sarah High School or, uh, you know, Greg Townsend from Beverly Hills, both of those guys, you know, that USC's after pretty hard to have a good shot at being five-star guys. So I think, they're, you know, USC's got four or five, six five-star guys in the past. They probably have another, you know, they have a good chance of doing that again this year. Yeah, and, and I think that's, I mean, you, you name three guys that are probably at the top of the list. They're probably going to be one, two, three, or at least in the top four statewide. And so, you know, usually when you're talking about the top five or so players, you're talking about guys that are going to be in that five-star range. And as you also mentioned, it develops throughout the year, five-star recruits. You know, Rivals likes to have less and then add some, then, you know, come out with, you know, 40, 50 guys that are five-star guys. And then, you know, we go to the camps during the summer and we go to passing leagues and we do more evaluations. And it's like, well, okay, this guy's not a five-star, this guy's not a five-star. In recent years, there's been a lot more uh, – we've just been a little less uh, generous with the five-star rankings, mainly because of the definition of it. Five-star guy is supposed to be a guy that can go in as a freshman, make an impact, be a guy that's maybe all-conference as a freshman type guy. And there's not a lot of guys like that out there. It's really, you know, you kind of have to, to look at, you know, the amount of guys that actually do that at the, at the college level that make that immediate impact as freshmen. And, you know, it's usually not 50 guys. So, um, you know, they've, they've been a little more conservative over the past few years. And, and so you're going to see, you know, like I said, that, that first wave, you're going to see, you know, 11 guys or so. And, um, and I think at that with that group, I, I think you know Anthony Thomas probably should be in that group. But you know, hey, I, sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I, I, uh, I can't uh, read the minds of the national recruiting experts uh, and the ranking experts for rivals. I see different things in them, and so you know everybody has their opinions. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk about the Anthony Thomas a little bit later in the podcast. But 
We have another question. Mark uh, wanted to know, with Barkley at quarterback and Max Wittick from modern day and potentially Cody Kessler, where does that leave Jesse Scroggins? So Jesse Scroggins is the class of 2010 quarterback out of Lakewood High School. Max Wittick committed to USC, made a verbal commitment uh, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. Cody Kessler um, is you know, trying to narrow down his schools from Bakersfield. He's a potential USC commit. Um, they wanted, Mark wanted to know where will Jesse Scroggins fit in and would they move him? He looks like he has a tremendous accuracy and a strong arm. And Gerard, just before you get into this, it sounds like one of those things where when someone signs, a lot of times people forget about him and you're always looking like at what's next. But Jesse Scroggins is already signed. He'll be you know, arriving on campus in June. People can think about Max Wittick or they can think about Cody Kessler or whoever that you know, USC is going after right now. But a guy like Jesse Scroggins, he's already going to be in the system. What do you think about him? Well, quite literally, I guess it's a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, as far as moving Scroggins, I think, you know, it's kind of described him as being accurate and having a good arm. Don't know where you move him anywhere by quarterback with those descriptions. Um, he's not really an athletic type guy. And, uh, you know, I think that's maybe just a little stereotypical uh, for him being an African-American quarterback. I honestly think that just a lot of people look at the surface and go, oh, well, he must be kind of a dual threat spread quarterback. No, Jesse Scroggins is a pro-style quarterback. He's mobile. He does well throwing the ball outside the pocket, but he's really a guy that, you know, his his bread and butter is accuracy. His bread and butter is hitting guys across the middle, um, and he's really good touch on his deep ball. Um, where he fits in, you know, the truth of the matter is, if Barkley leaves as a junior, Scroggins can redshirt and still have three years of eligibility to play. So, you know, in terms of Bar- Barkley being part of the equation, it's really not an issue for him. It's more, you know, what happens with these younger guys – he could see um, a little bit of competition from a guy like Kessler earlier because Kessler is going to be graduating from high school in December. So Jesse Scroggins will come in uh, June here, and he'll go through the summer workouts, which are very important. I think you know summer workouts get overlooked, but there's a lot of chemistry and timing built with the younger quarterbacks and the freshmen during that time. I mean, the quarterbacks are out there and they can throw the ball all day long, all they want, and it's really kind of like opening up for them, you know, the, the speed of the game um, against, you know, not only the DBs, but uh, some of the linebackers and the reads that you're going to have to have underneath that you don't see in high school so much. You don't see a lot of coverage from linebackers in high school, and you're going to see that. So when they get out there for their seven-on-seven seven all summer long, we're going to see a little bit that, you know, from Scroggins and his ability to kind of adapt and transition to the college level and then he'll have the season obviously and I think people expect him to redshirt um, if possible obviously injuries you know dictate that um, if something happens you know he may be a guy that they have to kind of put into that second position because you've got Mustaine and you've got Barkley there um, but I think you know they want to be able to redshirt him he goes through the season, the scout team, and then he comes in. And if, if a guy like Kessler commits, you know, he'll have that competition there in spring. If not, then he's got Wittick coming in later in the summer. So, I mean, things set up okay for him. And, and it's, it's more, I think, a question of, you know, people are kind of starting to speculate, well, if they like Scroggins so much, that being USC, 
why are they recruiting two quarterbacks in this class? Well, that, that's, that's a good question. That's a legitimate question, and we'll see if uh, they do have two quarterbacks in this class for uh, 2011. Um, you know, Kessler is not committed yet. They have Whitted committed. You know, we'll see how that plays down the line. I, I think, you know, last podcast or the podcast before we talked a little bit about the Samson Sakachi, um, Aaron uh, Corp you know, deal when they had two quarterbacks committed. And then, you know, towards the end of the year, Samson Scotchy decided to decommit and go ahead and go to Arizona State. Sometimes that kind of stuff happens, too. So, you know, there's a lot of variables that come in. And as the process, you know, goes on into the later December and January, um, we'll see what happens. It's, it's always, you know, with recruiting, we'll see what happens. And that's not any different, really, this year. So, you know, for Scroggins, quite frankly, he's fine. I mean, if he comes in and he plays well, he's good to go. I mean, he he worry about Barkley for another year he'll be cool red shirt you know do his thing he's gonna have plenty of eligibility and i you know he obviously knew that coming into the program coming into the system because barkley was already committed and, and, and already on campus at usc yeah it makes sense and we'll see i mean it'll be fun to watch and i i've really am looking forward to the rising stars camp uh, at usc this year i mean you're gonna get get to see scroggins in fall camp i think that'll be great they'll give him a lot of turns but for the rising stars camp if you get a guy like cody kessler to commit to usc You'll have Kessler going against Wittick head-to-head. They'll be competing for, for real. It'll be a lot of fun to watch. And then, like, like you said, if Kessler does commit, uh, he is a early you know, enrollee, so he'll be able to compete in the spring very similar to what Matt Barkley did. So they're, they're, I, I, mean, wanna, I, I want to interject something uh, with, with the camp. And it was funny because, like I said, kind of going back to the Aaron Corp-Sakachi deal, you know, Sakachi showed up one day, uh, you know, for one of the camps, and I, I think it was actually the skills camp. And he showed up one day, and then, uh, you know, Aaron Corp showed up another day. And uh, it was just kind of funny because, you know, everybody looked at Sakachi in the camp and felt like, oh, my gosh, you know, he ran a good 40. Uh, he was throwing the ball better, had more of a spiral. Uh, there was, you know, a real swell of, you know, Aaron Corp really just didn't look that good. And, and everybody was kind of down at Aaron Corp. And then Eric Corp went on and, and I think won a championship uh, that year with his team. And it was, and then all of a sudden, you know, the tie changed as far as who the better quarterback was going to be. And you get that, you know, that kind of hype coming in when you've got two quarterbacks committed. You know, it'll be fun to watch the guys play at the Rising Stars camp, but I always tell people, take camps with a grain of salt. I mean, this is a resume, and there are a lot of different things that are going to come in, and you really got to look at it as a whole. And that's, you know, kind of what my job is, is to be able to look at these things as a whole. You don't want to just get, you know, crazy and go, oh, my goodness, this guy was inaccurate at camp, and he's not going to play at USC, so let's, you know, kind of push him aside. And that was almost what happened with, you know, Rising Stars when, or excuse me, like I said, the skills camp, uh, when you had Sakachi and you had Darren Corp committed. And, you know, what's funny about it, I guess the most ironic thing is neither of them are at USC right now. I mean, Sakachi never even made it to USC. He ended up decommitting and going to Arizona State. And now uh, Aaron Corp is at, I believe, Richmond. So, Richmond, you know, yeah. again, you know, things, things aren't always what they seem. They don't always play out the way people think they are. No, good point there. And uh, well, we'll be fun to watch. But we'll see. Uh, you know, I don't think it's a crazy thing to have USC get two quarterbacks in this class. So they're, they're definitely going after Kessler. So we'll see what happens there. We should know some more in the next week or two. I think Kessler, it sounds like Kessler's going to make a decision pretty quickly. So we'll know there pretty soon, but Gerard, we wanted to, there are a couple verbal commitments since our last show, since the last podcast that we do like to talk about those. Uh, we mentioned D'Anthony Thomas earlier on in this segment, the black Mamba, the running back defensive back, from Crenshaw High School. Typically, a lot of UCLA players, I mean, have come out of Crenshaw High School, but 
you know, now it looks like USC is going after some of these guys. What What are your overall thoughts on Black Mamba coming out of Crenshaw? Well, I mean, it's a huge early commit for USC. It's one of those guys that I think uh, there was a point in the process where it just seemed like it was going to kind of play out. It was going to take a little time. It was going to go into, you know, official visits and whatnot. And um, USC really, really has kind of built momentum here. You know, they got Victor Blackwell committed, and Victor Blackwell is very, you know, close with uh, DeAnthony Thomas. Um, actually, they're, they're godbrothers. And I think, you know, that was one of the main things where, you know, he felt comfortable, uh, he felt excited, and he wanted to play with a lot of guys that he knew. I mean, Max Wittick is another guy that's kind of a part of that little trifecta. Um, and I think, you know, USC's kind of building a little bit of a foundation. you got to have a foundation for every class. And to get a guy like uh, DeAnthony, Anthony, like like we talked about earlier in the podcast, that's a five star guy. I mean, that's a five star guy that legitimately both sides of the ball. He's got that potential where he could be really really good. He's really well right now um, playing quarterback, uh, but he's going to learn. I mean, he's got all the skill set. You know, he's got you know good height, not great height, but he's got good height. He's extremely aggressive for a guy who's 160 pounds. I mean, he's a kid that's going to come up and he's going to nail you all day long. I've seen him take on much bigger players uh, at the line of scrimmage and run support and really, quite frankly, a little kamikaze. I mean, uh, he comes in and has knocked himself out of games trying to, uh, you know, make big hits. So he's a guy that's totally aggressive. Um, he's not going to hesitate in the run in the run game, you know, as a cornerback. Um, but if he decides to play running back, we've seen a lot of great things from him there too. Not a guy that's been uh, real durable uh, or they haven't really used him a lot of Crenshaw. Crenshaw's used a lot of two, three-back sets, um, rotating a lot of different guys in there, keeping him fresh for later on in the playoffs. So we haven't seen him get uh, a ton of carries. And so I don't think if he plays that position in college, he's necessarily going to be a guy that you're going to want to get 20 carries a game. You're going to want to sprinkle him in the offense. You're going to want him to use him in the slot. You're going to want him to use him in kick return and stuff like that. Uh, but right now he kind of seems like he's – kind of leaning towards maybe playing defensive back, and that opens up USC totally because, obviously, you know, they're still, I think, going to try to recruit a running back in this class. So we're going to have to see how that goes. Um, uh, but it's, you know, a heck of a guy if you can get a cornerback uh, with his type of speed, you know, a 10-6 guy, and get him this early on and help, like I said, build the foundation of the class. So he's really one of those guys that is going to be a cornerstone in this class, and they got to keep him committed. Obviously, you talked about UCLA and, and kind of changing that pipeline a little bit. It's started with Hayes Pullard, um, and obviously now you got to follow up with the Anthony Thomas. Uh, USC has to be able to keep it up, and trust me, uh, UCLA and Cal, those schools are not going to let up. They're going to continue to recruit him hard, and I'm sure, you know, he he's ready for it. He's already talking about, you know, I'll probably take some visits. Um, so, you know, no no surprises there for USC fans. There probably will be a little bit of drama there uh, towards the end, but it seems like uh, with uh, the pieces in place of, of a Pollard and then Victor Blackwell and some of the guys he knows, there's a lot of familiarity and there's a lot of chemistry built up uh, with that class that's uh, you know already at USC uh, coming here in June in the class that they're just building right now in 2011. And that's very important. And, and for me, this signifies for Lane Kiffin a kind of continuation of what the momentum that Pete Carroll's built up over the last eight, nine years or whatever it was. I mean, you get a guy like DeAnthony Thomas who will be – one of the top couple of players in the state of California, if not the top player in the state of California. He was the MVP of the Nike camp, even though he showed up late playing defensive back in Los Angeles. Uh, he's the kind of guy that Pete Carroll seemed to be able to get every year. And, you know, you talked about UCLA and Rick Neuheisel over there. For me, it's kind of a big coup where if you can get a guy like that out of a high school that 
has traditionally sent a lot of players to UCLA. The fact that Lane Kiffin can kind of continue the momentum that Pete Carroll has built, I mean, I think that shows a lot for him and his staff. I will say this, uh, to, to Lane Kiffin's credit, to Ed Ergeron, the recruiting coordinator's credit, I don't know if Pete Carroll has this commitment at this time right now. Um, I think it kind of goes to show you just the aggressive nature of UC, or USC just at this point and really pushing hard. I don't know if they really, with Pete Carroll, if they want him committed. If you know, it was it was just a different kind of deal with a guy that was you know this highly sought after early on. Now last year, you know, USC did go ahead and take the, the verbal commitment of Robert Woods, which is uh, I think it ended up being in July, if I recall, which was kind of a surprise. A lot of people thought that he was going to go through the process and not necessarily jump the gun. You know, there's a lot of talk of visits and it coming down at the end between USC and UCLA. And it really wasn't as much drama with that as a lot of people thought. I mean, quite frankly, even when Pete Carroll decided to leave USC, Robert Woods was pretty quick right after at the Under Armour, or excuse me, the uh, Army All American game. You have Demetrius Wright committing, and Robert Woods is right by his side throwing up the fight on. I mean, it was right then and there. Like, it, you know, there wasn't even a new head coach even in place at that point, and Robert Woods was still solid Trojan. So, you know, sometimes you don't have to have that drama. Sometimes the guy is going to commit early, and it's just because he's ready. Um, you know, with Anthony, we'll wait and see. Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of schools that are going to go after him. Washington is another school I'll throw in there that that will probably go after him. Um, but I think right here, right now, if we're with Pete Carroll, I just don't see this being the class right now. I, 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 there's just something to it that I, I think Pete Carroll and, and the class would probably, they're going to wait a couple months before they start to have these guys committing and they feel comfortable with them committing early. Um, I, I think this staff right now, Flank Kiffin, is a little more aggressive, and I think uh, the guy that's uh, kind of, you know, uh, like I said, the cornerstone guy in terms of their recruiting philosophy and what they want to get done, uh, definitely uh, DeAnthony Thomas. And I will also say with Victor Blackwell, they turned that one quick because Victor Blackwell was definitely thinking about other schools because he had not gotten that scholarship offer from USC early. And he had scholarship offers from UCLA and from Cal and all these other schools early on. And that was an issue for him. And I could see it building with him and a lot of off-record comments. He wasn't feeling USC. And, I mean, man, within the matter of a week, uh, Ed Ergeron just flips that sucker on his head, and the guy commits basically on the spot to USC. And, you know, Jalen Grimble, another recruit, that a guy that was really leaning towards UCLA and, and, and talking a lot about UCLA behind the scenes. And, you know, he came down to practice and there's a little bit of, you know, what are they going to do with Jalen Grimble? And a couple weeks go by, and, you know, I mean, Ed Ergeron decided, you know what, I want the guy. And once he decided that, bam. It was done. So it's it, that kind of nature, that kind of just the way they approach recruiting, it's very unique. It's a little different than the other staff, uh, which was obviously very successful in how they did things. But these guys here, Ed and Lane, they're not messing around. They're going for the throat. There's no hesitation. They want a guy they're going to go after on full court press, whether it's you know March, April, June, January. It doesn't matter. All right. And then one last guy I want to talk about, the number six commitment for the class of 2011, uh, I, I really like this guy, Trey Madden, linebacker, 6'1", 215-ish. Uh, he was the MVP of the Los Angeles Nike camp for linebackers in his position, Mission Viejo product. Uh, just, I mean, obviously USC's needed linebackers recently, and he seems like a player. And he was one of those, you know, people talked about local kids not getting the offers early. 
he didn't get his offer real early, but when you know when USC did go after him, he pretty much committed right away. What do you think about Bam. Trey? Bam, yeah, yeah. Another, another example of that aggressiveness. You know, I mean, once they decided that's the guy we want, we're going to offer him, bam, he commits. There's no, there's no hesitation there. You know, it's not like, hey, we're going to offer you, you know, sit on it, think about it. They offered him, we want you to commit, and he committed. Um, 113 tackles last year, all CIF, a guy that's really got a lot of production behind him, and I think that's important too. I think we can get all wrapped up with, you know, oh, this guy runs this, and this guy looks like this at a camp. Sometimes at the end of the day, you also have to look at the good football players, and Trey Madden has been a proven good football player. When you're talking about over 100 tackles and three sacks, all CIF, a guy that's, you know, kind of been known for a while there at a big-time high school football program, Mission Viejo. So, that's that's a that's a good that's kind of a good get for them also you know in terms of need talked about the linebacker situation uh, but they get a guy that's a good kid uh, solid in the classroom and comes from a good productive high school football program where he's been a star and that's just it's really good all around for USC um, he's probably going to project as a will linebacker he's a he's a little on the kind of the shorter side not kind of the big guy he plays Mike. Um, at Mission Viejo, but I think his quickness, his ability to read plays and diagnose plays really quickly um, allows him to play a little bit on the backside and be a guy that cleans up um, a, a lot of plays uh, and, and kind of can play a little bit in the offensive backfield a little bit as a linebacker, a guy that you know can kind of do things away from his assignment, can freelance a little more. He's got good speed, good quickness, good feet, uh, good vision. You know, He did really well uh, in, the, in the Nike camp, really in the passing drills, and that's where you get to see a guy feet, space, don't see that a lot on a high school football tape, and he ended up being MVP because he was covering guys that were, you know, these small little scat backs out of the backfield. And those type of drills at a camp, those they're definitely, you know, they're slanted towards the offense a lot more than the other defense. Those linebackers are basically sitting in their stands, and they don't know what's coming at them. Usually, they get a little double move, or they're going to get some kind of wheel route. And uh, he was pretty good. His hips looked good, his feet looked good. He had good balance, and like I said, um, a guy that's been very productive at the high school level and um, at a neat position. So that's a win-win for USC. And uh, like you said, you know, there's a momentum kind of building, and they've been very decisive. You know, some of these guys that they're offering, uh, they want them now, and they're getting them now, and that's uh, kind of saying something for the coaching staff. Yeah, I know USC fans were kind of worried that some of the local kids weren't getting the offers. All the offers were going out of state. But it definitely looks like more and more offers are coming now, and I really expect a flood more offers to come during some of these summer camps and when, when USC staff actually gets to see guys at the skills camp, at the lineman camp, at the Rising Stars camp at USC, I think there'll be more offers extended. Yeah, and I think um, I think with offensive line specifically, they're going to have to find some guys that they want to, you know, they want to project on. It's not a great year for offensive linemen, and you can throw a bunch of offers out of state, but. Uh, they're going to have to look at that and, and maybe even dip into the JUCO ranks over the summer a little bit, get some offers there. I mean, it's difficult to get JC players in at USC, um, but there's going to just have to be a little bit of work there. You know, they, they can't kind of sit back because there's just not enough talent, I think, in state, you know, to, to be happy. Uh, obviously, Marcus Martin is a guy that's uh, the Anthony Thomas's teammate. He got an offer just recently. He's going to be a guy that's, you know, a top target, about 6'3", 6'4", 200, uh, excuse me, 350 pounds. Um, and, uh, 200, and, what? He, he yeah, was like 200-something when he was 14, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I would, yeah, 250 pounds, a little bit of a, a typo there in that, uh, in that sentence. But, uh, no, I mean, he, again, the guy who has good feet, good balance, you know, from, from a camp standpoint, uh, he showed a lot of skill. 
And, uh, and that's, you know, when you got a guy that's that big and I've seen him play in person and, uh, you know, blocking for DeAnthony and, and Crenshaw, which was, you know, one of the best teams in California last year, uh, they move people off the line. And he's a guy that's physical. That, that wasn't really a question mark. You're looking at a guy who's 350 pounds. You want to see if he's nimble still. You want to see if he still has good feet, if he's got a good kid step. And uh, being a guard that, you know, is not going to really necessarily have to be on that island and block people uh, in pass protection, um, he looked really good. Um, he, 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 was, he was put in some positions where, you know, he maybe could have looked bad in space, but he didn't. And he shut down, uh, you know, Antoine Woods. And we talked about that in a couple of podcasts ago, you know, out of the camp that, uh, you know, one of, his, one of his good friends, they kind of went head-to-head, and, and Marcus got the better of those battles. So USC came in and offered. UCLA's come in and offered. Uh, he's going to take some time, though, and, and I think uh, he wants things to die down a little bit with the Anthony Thomas before he starts making any decisions. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if he made a decision uh, before the season. I, I think it could come, you know, maybe sometime over the summer. So we'll see how that goes. But that's one of those guys that's going to be one of the few top notable in-state offensive linemen that USC really uh, one of the few guys off the top of my head, it might be the only guy that's actually got a scholarship offer as an offensive lineman in state. I, I have to kind of look at it again. I know they like Matua Brown a lot from Paramount High School, 6'4", 285, uh, who uh, was a great player at the Rising Stars camp last year. But Matua is committed to Washington and Right now, he kind of sort of wants to play defensive line. He was talking about playing defensive end. I don't know if he's going to do that. Um, but uh, there's not a ton of those real uber-talented uh, offensive linemen in state. So when you're talking about camp situation, that's where there's, there's just got to be some 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 offers that just come from somewhere. I don't know, I don't know, where, I don't know who's yeah. going to get them or where they're going to come from because we've seen quite a few offensive linemen, and there's not a ton of guys that are super impressive. But, you know, uh, you know, leave it to Ed Ergeron. He's, he's going to find a guy. He's going to find a guy and, and build him into a, a wrecking machine. All right. Well, Gerard, great stuff as always. We got a lot of a lot of information in this podcast for recruiting, so we appreciate that. And hopefully we'll get to talk to you next week, talk even more recruiting. Yep. It just, uh, I guess it's a home stretch for May, and then we get into camp, so uh, yeah, it doesn't end. It's uh, all day, you know, 365 days. It's year-round, Gerard. But everyone else, yeah, thank you, for thank you, Gerard, for uh, joining us and everyone else. Thank you for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you again next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.